Hey, have you heard about Anchor? It's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. There's creation tools that let you record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer, just like I'm doing now. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you, so you can hear it on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Welcome to Journey to Esquire, the podcast. I'm Jocelyn Hardrick, founder and president of Diversity Access Pipeline, Inc., the company behind this podcast and other great programs like Journey to Esquire Scholarship and Leadership Program, which provides $2,000 cash scholarships to third-year law students and internships to second-year law students, along with leadership training and mentors. And Journey to Esquire, the blog, which provides insightful articles to help navigate you through law school and beyond. Find out more on our website, www.journeytoesquire.com. Hi, welcome to Journey to Esquire, the podcast. I'm Jocelyn Hardrick, the host and founder of Diversity Access Pipeline, Inc., the nonprofit organization behind this podcast and all of our wonderful programming, including Journey to Esquire, the blog, and Journey to Esquire, the scholarship and leadership program. Today, we are passing the mic to Camilla O'Brien, aka the Focus Spender. Camilla is an operations and financial nonprofit professional with a proven ability to create and optimize operational systems as well as manage billion with a B dollar budgets. So Camilla graduated from uh, NYU, New York University, with a master's of public administration in general finance, and she has $65,000 in student loan debt. So I know all about having that kind of debt from going to law school, and what she's going to do is share with us student loan debt reduction strategies and living your best financial life. Welcome, Camilla. Thank you, Jocelyn. I'm so happy to be here. I'm happy to have you too, because you're one of my besties. <laughs> so we had Kina Birds and Paul on our podcast, and Camila is another one of my group of friends that we've had since middle school. Mm-hmm. Almost 30 years. I know. It seems like yesterday, kind of. <laughs> it does, yeah. And we've all gone on these journeys. So typically, this is Journey to Esquire, so we usually talk about people's journeys to law school, but... Um, grad schools are pretty much the same in a lot of ways, applying, um, taking the exam to get in, trying to figure out the best fit, and then taking on all these loans to pay for this education. So talk to us a little bit about what made you pursue your master's of public administration. So the reason why I decided to get a degree in um, public administration is because I went to college, I went to Boston University, and I got a degree in public um public relations and i thought honestly when i went to school i was not sure what i really wanted to do and it sounded like a fun career so i got my degree i graduated and pretty quickly i realized this is not at all what i wanted to do and so i was fortunate enough to get a job at a nonprofit called legal outreach so actually now that i think about it, it kind of ties all in so we work with high school students helping them um, enter the, the legal field through college and then through law school. And so working in that company, I realized I really wanted to work in the nonprofit sector and I wanted to be, 
I wanted to be a leader in that sector. So I thought, well, what can I do? And that's when I learned about public administration. And I decided if I want to advance in my career, I definitely need to get some type of master's degree. So that's why I decided to get that degree. Awesome. And then what made you choose to go to NYU specifically? Okay, so the reason why I decided on NYU is because I wasn't sure if I wanted to stay, I didn't know if I wanted to stay in New York City for the rest of my life, even though I'm still here. Um, and I really wanted to have a school with a solid um, name recognition, honestly. My other option was Baruch, which is a really good school. It's part of the Sydney University of New York, but I thought if I want to stay in New York forever, that would be my perfect option and it was definitely cheaper, but I wasn't sure. So I decided I needed to have something solid behind my name. And so I decided NYU is definitely the place to go. And honestly, I do not, I do not regret that decision. Awesome. So now that's going to tie into a lot of what we're going to talk about, the student loan debt. Yes. So you graduated with $65,000 in student loans. I graduated with $75,000 after I graduated. Okay. Actually, I had more. I have to be honest. I had about $75,000, but when I decided to aggressively pay it off, I was at $65,000. Oh, good. So now we're going to talk about some of those strategies. I decided to aggressively pay it off as well. And I think we both initially used Dave Ramsey's system, Total Money Makeover System. Yes, we did. And I paid mine off in almost four years. How long did it take for you to pay it off? Um, The 65,000 part, three years. Yeah, so so that plan works. It sure did. It definitely did Yeah, so you have your um, business, the Focus Spender LLC, and we're gonna provide all your contact information in the show notes. But what we're gonna do is we're gonna break down our little talk first into like pre-grad school, pre-law school, you Mm -hmm. know, strategies you can use to minimize your student loan debt or eliminate it if possible. Then you're gonna have while you're in school, what you can do, and then upon graduation, because we have students and new lawyers and people who haven't even been in law school yet listening, so we want to make sure everyone is covered. So let's start out with, okay, you're thinking about grad school. What strategies would you say people should use to minimize or eliminate student loan debt if they can? So the number one thing I would say is that while you're even thinking about the graduate school process or law school, really start saving your money. So you're working, if you're, hopefully you're working, um, you may have some college debt and you might be paying those student loans off, but at the same time, you really should be pay, you really should be stacking your cash so that you can minimize your student loans. When I was applying for school, I was still living at home and I was not paying rent. So I was already saving a lot of money. So when I decided to go to grad school, I already knew that I was gonna have I would not have to take out as much loans because I had cash to at least pay for a part of my loans. But then also thinking about like what school you're going to go to. So like I said earlier, when I was deciding between NYU and Baruch, I really did think really heavily about Baruch because Baruch was a $10,000 degree and NYU was a $40,000 degree. So that was a huge, huge difference. So really think about where you wanna be in life, where you wanna go next when you're making that decision because you don't wanna take out, you don't wanna go to a school that um, you don't really need to go to. You don't need to pay $60,000, $70,000 for a grad school or a law school when, you know, another school might actually really serve the purpose of your career. So really think about that when um, deciding which school to go to. Okay, so that's a great strategy. And we know 
um, with grad school, it's not like college, right? College is a little easier to get into than yes. grad school. Grad school, you got to get in where you fit in. <laughs> <laughs> got to take have, the GMATs, the LSAT, yeah, the MCATs. <laughs> yeah, whatever. So that score plays a role. But then also, um, you know, they have different admission standards and they have different um, com- levels of competitiveness. But if you are blessed enough to have more than one option, then what I'm hearing you say is be careful about just making assumptions about which one is better. Like have a holistic view of exactly. what's going to make sense for you. Okay, great. And stack that cash. <laughs> Live at home with the parents. No shame if they will allow you back in. <laughs> and the funny thing, the funny thing is that I knew that I did not want to live at home when I went to grad school because my family, like I remember your family, my family was, you know, large, rambunctious. It was always people in our house. I knew that I was going to move right before grad school started, but I just made sure that I saved enough money to live off of in my new apartment and also to have something to pay out of pocket when school started. Yeah, and now with everyone working from home and schooling from home, that becomes even more important, trying to figure out if you're gonna have a quiet space where you can handle yourself professionally. <laughs> so you, like I said, exactly. class, we'll see people passing by, like I'm blocking the door now, <laughs> so that you don't see my son running around, you know, doing something unusual. And yeah, so that's definitely something to keep in mind. So um, one other point that I forgot to make that really was a great strategy for me is that I knew I only wanted to take out government loans. So I did not want to take out any private loans. So I knew that at the time, I think the max per year was 18,000. I think the the max per year was $18,000. So when I was thinking about how much money to save, I wanted to save enough that I only had to take out government loans. I did not want to take out any private loans. So really do that math so that you're getting the loan that makes Um, that's the cheapest possible for you. Yes, so that's another good point. Do your research. There are different kinds of loans. There are private loans and then there are federally backed loans. When you hear about government incentives and stimulus and forgiveness, they're only talking about the government loans. Exactly. So you want those federal loans because those interest rates are fixed. When you get a private loan, you could end up with a variable rate and then, you know, it might start off at 2% and then next thing you know it's 5% and next thing you know it's 10% and then you can't afford to do anything. So definitely stick with the private, uh, definitely stick with the um, federal loans. And with consolidation, that's another thing that we're gonna talk about, not too in-depth, but knowing in advance what types of loans you have We'll let you know what options you'll have when you graduate and you're trying to pay it all off. So now we're, let's transition to your in grad school. Um, you're living off of these loans, right? We've used the strategies we talked about. We saved, we stacked as much cash as we could. We stuck to the federal loans as much as possible. Now, what do you recommend students who are currently in grad school to do to minimize student loan debt? So the one thing I did is that I made a decision to keep working. So like I said, I moved out of my house when I was in, I moved out of my house when I, right before I started grad school. And so there was no way, actually there was a way. I could have taken out private loans to pay for my living expenses. And honestly, a lot of my friends did that. They went to school full time and they, you know, either they took unpaid internships or they just took a break from working. But at some point I was like, I'm not going to pay for loans. I'm not going to take out loans to live. 
and for school. I just want the loans for school, so I need to keep working. Um, for me, that meant that I wasn't working full time, but I was working pretty much full time. I was working 30 hours a week, and then I lived in Brooklyn and I worked in Harlem, so that was an hour long commute. So then I had to like use that study time on the train to help um, balance it out. But really think about what, really think about what, um, you need in terms of loan. Do you need that loan to pay your car note? Do you need that loan to pay your rent? And if you do, maybe you're biting off way more than you can chew. And so think about how you can reduce um, exactly uh, what you're taking out. And then the other thing you can do is that you can start paying off your student loans while you're in school. So um, the thing about federal loans is that, or the thing about if you have a subsidized loan is that your interest rate is not going to accrue. Your interest is not going to accrue while you're in school. So then if you start paying off those loans while you're in school, when you graduate, the principal will be, the principal will be reduced and then you'll owe less. So if you can work um, so that you don't have to take out as many loans, definitely do that. And if you make enough that you can start paying down on your loans while you're in school, definitely, definitely do that. Yeah. I have, um law school friends who did that no i didn't i didn't have any money to do that oh no no you know the funny thing is in college um one of my friends he by the time we graduated he paid off all his student loans i mean at 21 and i remember when he was saying oh yeah i'm paying down on my student loans i'm like how are you doing that first of all i didn't even know that was a thing right and then on the other part was like where are you even getting this money from but he just had better jobs than i did so you can pay off your loans while you're still in school or start paying them down or start paying them down if you can afford it. Yes. And then the, the biggest benefit of that is you reduce your interest because a lot of people. Exactly. They're not just paying the money they borrowed to go to school. They're paying all Big the interest. Is the interest. Yep. Yep. It is. I think that was part of the reason why I was so interested in paying off my student loans quickly. It's because like I looked at how much interest I was going to pay if I, you know, followed their schedule versus what I would pay if I just did it really fast. And I thought, what? they don't need my money. I need that money. So <laughs> let me just go ahead and like see what I can do to pay this off really quickly. Yeah. And I, my first year of paying student loans, I paid 10000 and all went to interest. Exactly. $10,000. Exactly. <laughs> that, I, girl, you and I, we can use that money. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, mm, down payment for a house, my exactly. new car, savings for my future child. Like, I'm like, and if you, and if I had invested 10000 that year, exactly. you know, even with the recession that was going on then, because it was what, 2009, we were still kind of in the recession. But that was the best time to invest because yeah. everything was so low. So you put that money in while it's low and then boom, skyrockets. Yes. Yes. huge difference and so that's that's what we're trying to get students to understand this isn't monopoly money a lot of students like i'll just be paying student loans the rest no. of my life whatever yeah but that is real money this you can is real money mm-hmm. i i not to blow up the spot of anyone in my family <laughs> but i would hear sometimes this is like when i was in high school i would hear people and my family talk about, oh, I got my refund check for my loan. And I'm like, what is a refund check? And so basically, you know, the loan is $10,000, maybe school costs seven. And so then they get a $3,000 check and then they would start spending it like it was their money to spend it, which makes absolutely no sense. You need to either return that money or tell them to reduce the price of your, the amount of your loan so that you don't have all this extra money that you're using to just like go shopping and buy clothes and things that, you know, 
are just unnecessary. Right. I know people took out bar loans to take vacation. And I said, what? That's not free money. <laughs> nope. That's when you call somebody like, can I get a couple hundred dollars? Please? <laughs> Start asking, get a little job, yeah. do something, but not a loan to go on vacation. Yes. Like, and those are expensive loans. Imagine. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So let's avoid that. But we're using <laughs> these debt reduction strategies. So now we're in um, recent grads. So, you know, we're recording this at a time where we're in between, we're kind of in the summer time. Students are either just graduated or they're entering their last year or last term of school. And um, with everything going on with the pandemic, the economy has slowed. A lot of people aren't hiring because they just don't know if they're gonna have a need. And so what are some strategies you have for students generally and during this time of what they can do um, to reduce their student loan debt. And talk a little bit about the process because there's like a six month window, you know, before you have to pay and, and, and there's options to consolidate. So let's talk a little bit about that. So yeah, like you said, there is that six month grace period where you don't have to pay down your student loans. So that's a good time to start saving as well. If you do have a job, um, I'm not sure, with the legal field, because I'm not familiar with it, I don't know how it's gonna be affected. So I don't know if that means for the time being, just getting a different type of job until things pick back up. But if you are working, make sure that you are budgeting your money so that you are redu reducing any unnecessary expenses and that you are holding on to some cash. You may even want to, I think you should be able to start paying down on the loans if you'd like without um, uh, messing up your interest. But if not, if, if nothing, if your interest is not going to accrue during that period, you might as well just hold on to that money um, just in case. But then I would also say, um, like Jocelyn and I both did, read the book, The Total Money Makeover, because it definitely gives a lot of tips. So one thing, um, I literally just did a video about this the other day where I was talking about like tips that you can use to manage your money right now. And the one thing I would say is, um, this is the time to start side hustling. Like, look, obviously you wanna have your job, but then you also wanna look for multiple streams of income because you may get a job and it may not be the job you want. It may not pay what you think um, you should, it may not pay the amount that you were expecting. Like when I graduated from grad school, my first job, um, I think I made 55,000 and I had $65,000 worth of debt. So, you know, I'm actually had 75,000. So I'm making less than what I was earning. And so when I realized that, and I remember that six month grace period at first I was, I was fine because I had enough money to pay all my bills. But then that first um, loan bill came and I was like, this is as much, or this is almost as much as I'm paying for my co-op every single month. And that's when like the light bulbs, you know, switched off in my head, like I need to do something. So for me, um, like I said, I just had to start side hustling to make an extra income. I had to adjust my 401k so that I was still, you know, investing enough to get the match, but then I had extra money. And then whenever I had extra money, um, when I would pay my taxes and because I was paying so much in student loan interest, I was getting a nice return. And so I would just take all that money and I would just put it towards the student loan. I would keep a little bit for myself so that I didn't feel deprived, but for the most part, I would just take the rest um, to make really, really large payments on my student loan. So I know it's gonna be tough. I feel like 
I feel like every time I've graduated, I've graduated in a time of some type of recession. So 2002, it may not have been as, 2000, as bad as 2008, but there was an economic you know, downturn at that time. And then grad school, I graduated in 2007. So the very next year they were laying people off in my job. Thank God I didn't get laid off, but the very next year that was happening. And then, you know, now with everything going on. So I definitely know it's stressful. It's hard, but eventually, you know, we'll come through, hopefully, <laughs> hopefully we'll come through to the other side of it. Um, so yeah, time to persevere and buckle down. <laughs> yeah, because I graduated in uh, 2009, right after the 2008 um, housing market crash. And thankfully I was able to still have my job. Some people right now are being asked to like wait six months or their job offers are rescinded because mm -hmm. this is a, um, much more unpredictable time than just a recession. Is. Kind of, we've been through recessions and depressions and understand that. And we have been through pandemics before. In 1918, Spanish flu one was the um, most well-known one being circulated now. Um, but certainly people still need legal services. And so that's yes. not a thing that's going away. People still need um, financial accounting services. People still need professionals working in their businesses to help the businesses run. And so you're talking about a side hustle, which is great because Kita also talked about side hustles. Yes. So your side hustle is Focus Spender, obviously. So talk to yes. us a little more about Focus Spender and tell our, um, our listeners where they can find this video you're talking about where you broke down some of these strategies. Okay, so Focus Spender came to me. Let's see how they come to me. So um, years ago when YouTube first started, I used to watch all the hair videos. I just loved watching hair videos on YouTube. And one night me and my sister were talking and we were like, we should have a YouTube channel. But now I lived in New York and my sister was in California. So we really couldn't figure out um, uh, how we were gonna bring this YouTube channel together. This is before Zoom. So there was no like, oh, we'll be on video together. It was just, you know you have to do it pretty much do it separately and so i remember thinking like well what would i even talk about i don't do hair i don't do makeup so i'm not going to do anything like that i i want to talk about something that i know that i'm going through and at the time i was reading the total money makeover i was paying down on my debt and so it did not at all start as it did not at all start out as a side hustle it literally just started out as me wanting to share what i was learning with people so that's how i started it i just you know, turn on my computer and I just made a video about what I was doing. And then a few years later, um, I started noticing people putting ads in their videos. And I thought, I wonder how they're doing that. But again, I didn't do anything. And then finally Google reached out to me and they allowed me to put ads on my videos. And that's how, you know, that was the beginnings of it turning into a side hustle. I mean, it was a side hustle at that time that was making $500 a year. <laughs> so, yeah. It wasn't doing much, but you know, as I continue to grow with it, I really just always wanted to share what it was that I was doing at that time with my money. And so it was a, I've been able to grow my channel to about 40,000 subscribers. Um, I do a lot of videos on investing and like how to build wealth, how to get out of debt. And so the videos that I have about um, student loans, I have a video that based, they have a video that documented, actually I have a few videos about um, how I paid off my student loan debt, how, um, what I did with my money after I paid off my debt, and then just different budgeting strategies um, 
that I employed. So if you want to see that video, or if you want to see any of those videos, if you go to youtube.com um, slash focused spender, it'll pop right up. Yeah, and then they can go to focusedspender.com to get more information about your products and services. Yes. So if you go, to, like you said, if you go to focusedspender.com, <laughs> um, one thing that you sh that I encourage everyone to um, look up is I have a I have a free download called the five payday mistakes that keep you from growing your savings and investment accounts and how to fix them. And so that gives a lot of strategies on what you can be doing to manage your money so that you are saving more money. If you are ready to invest then you can invest, but if you're not ready to invest, you can use it to help you have that extra money um, to pay down your student loans. Oh, that's an excellent resource. So definitely go get that. And now we're gonna go to the part where Diversity Access Pipeline Inc., right? So we gotta talk about our ideals, inclusion, diversity, equity, access, leadership, and service. So Camilla, tell us about your story about diversity and um, grad school and what you wanna share with our viewers. So um, it's funny, when I went to grad school, grad school felt a lot more diverse than college. Um, so I went to NYU and I think I could just be making this up, but I think the, the you know the black population is probably anywhere between ten and thirty percent. I don't know, but you know, coming from my college, Boston University, which was one or two percent, it felt like you know the the world had opened up to me. And so thinking about like growing up, um, in my family, thankfully, education has been a you know a huge part of everyone's lives. I have a few teachers in my family, but I was the first person. Actually, I was in the first generation of students um, who decided to go away to school. So my family, everybody went to CUNY, City University of New York. And my grandmother, I remember she was saying, you could go to Baruch just like your cousin. There's no reason. <laughs> <laughs> There's no reason to go away to school. And I really, really wanted to go away. I wanted to, I didn't, it wasn't so much me going to a private university. I just wanted to experience something new. And I'm glad I did because that also helped me keep my student loans down because I went to a school like Boston University, which is not diverse. And um, they were, but it, it is a private university with a large endowment. So I was able to access a lot of money in scholarships and um, um, private grants. Um, with NYU, it was a little bit different because they are a lot more diverse. Um, but then that allowed me to, you know, round out that experience. So what I lost in college, I was able to pretty much get it in grad school. So I was really happy for that. Yeah, I had a similar experience too, because I went to a private university, large endowment, and they were working really hard to diversify. And they knew one of the biggest barriers was just the cost. Exactly. Right? We're in New York City with this whole city university system. And the, at the time, I think tuition was 3000 a year. Wow. Yeah. yeah I and then it. my private, because I, I applied to Boston University too, and I said, how much? <laughs> they gave me all the money. They didn't give you anything. <laughs> uh, no, they gave, yeah, they gave me a partial, and I said, oh. I think they gave me a good package, but it's just even, honestly, I went to my mom and I said, I have to make um, the cash deposit payment. Mm -hmm. And Fordham was like 200 and Boston was like 400. And oh, my mom wow. said, I don't have $400. Yeah. That That's how the decision of which school yeah. I was going to was made. She did not that's have the so $400 real. deposit. We had, she said, I can do 200. And so I said, I guess I'm going to Fordham and that was it. And, <laughs> Which saved money too, because I didn't have to live 
uh, move and deal yeah. with all of that. But I did stay on campus, so I was away. But I, I was remember, yeah. I remember coming to visit you in college. Oh yeah, y'all <laughs> love the, the the food for some I, I don't know. <laughs> I think like we just like going to different universities and yeah, like visiting, tasting yeah. their food, like. Our yeah. food was pretty good, so it was like, okay, our food is good. How's the food over there? <laughs> and I went to see y'all in Boston. That was mm -hmm. lots of fun. Um, <laughs> but I remember my my nephews, this one funny story. They were, you know, elementary school age, and my brother and I both had gone away. He went to Buffalo University, and I went to Fordham. And they're like, so we're talking about college, and they said, we don't want to go to college. I was like, wait, what? Why? They're like, because it makes, they take you away. And in their mm. mind, it was just, oh, they took them, our favorite aunt and uncle away. And we're like, oh. you never know how yeah. things are perceived. And again, that's part of why we have this podcast and the blog and everything we do to peel away some perceptions or, or wrong perceptions or imperceptions. Yeah. And so um, you've given us a lot to think about, Camilla, about <laughs> how to get our student loan debt under control and how to tackle them and just even knowing that you do not have to live with them the rest of your life. You if you're able and you want to, there is a way to pay them off in a short period of time so that you can save on all that interest and put the money towards the things you really want to spend it on. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. So thank you so much for joining us. Thank Hello, you, Jocelyn. the Focus Spender. <laughs> and if you want more information, go to focusspender.com check out her great youtube channel youtube.com forward slash focus spender and thank you so much for listening we'll see you next time thank you thanks for tuning in to another great episode of journey to esquire the podcast support share subscribe and for more, visit www.journeytoesquire.com.